Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with actor, filmmaker, Laura Jean Marsh. Um, Laura's just released uh, her feature film, Giddy Stratospheres, and you can go and check it out now. It's uh, on all the usual uh, streaming places. We talk about the film, obviously, um, in the duration of this podcast. Um, And, yeah, the film's kind of uh, based around a a kind of indie scene, and it's an indie scene that I'm very passionate about as well. So we talk at length about some amazing indie records on this podcast. this pod chat uh, really interesting um backstory and upbringing um i, I want to tell you all about it but that's not really my job is it uh, that's that's laura's job today so um yeah we'll, uh, we'll we'll get on with um the podcast shortly just a quick few thank you so thank you to scroobius pip uh, and everybody at the distraction pieces network thank you to 76 for producing this um if this is your first um time listening to off the beaten track then uh, when you get to the end of today's um, Ace Natter with Laura, then then go and check out the back catalogue because there's over 300 episodes now. And if you like your actors, you can hear me talking to um, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, um, gosh, uh, Michael Smiley. Um, uh, also, somebody that's in uh, Laura's film, you can hear me talking to Nick Helm. Uh, and if you like your, your indie music, well... I've I've had a fair a fair few hundred of them on so um yeah from artists as diverse as suede to Foo Fighters Fat Boy Slim to gosh uh, Andy Bell of Ride um, oh god yeah uh, uh, Sleaford Mods Idols um, yeah they're, they're they're all in there go and have a rummage that's the best thing to do go and have a little rummage through the archives I think there's three hundred and twenty five episodes now so so go and have a little Look and see what you like, because I'm sure there'll be something in there that will tickle your fancy. Uh, you can find out about everything you need to know about this podcast. If you'd like to support it, you can do it over on Patreon uh, for 79 uh, pence a month, and then you get access to video episodes, radio shows, and all sorts of other stuff as well. And to find out about any of this, one-stop shop, www.offthebeatandtrack.com podcast.com ladies and gentlemen please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with laura jean marsh right i've got to take a quick break in this podcast because i've got some super exciting news 
Off the Beaten Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stew Whipping. Right, we are recording. Laura, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, Stu. I'm glad the sun's out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's lush today. Um, so we're recording this at um, the, what's the date today? The 11th of uh, August. And we're a couple of weeks into lockdown being, um, the restrictions being dropped. And... I, I guess starting to reconnect with each other and and, and resume, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a new normal. I guess is the term that everyone seems to be using. Um, mm-hmm. How have you found the last sort of fifteen, sixteen months as both a human and as a creative? Um, well, I mean, I've gone through a lot of changes in the last month in terms of sort of my personal life um but I've also managed to make a feature film in that time so like you do like you do um so I don't know I think uh it's been a weird I don't think that I've had quite the same experience as everyone because I've been so busy but I've also been quite isolated for a lot of it as we all were um you know, I, I managed to have the time during when we first went into lockdown to write my the script for the film that I've just released in the UK and now it's going to be released in the US and worldwide in um, September and um, my cat's attacking now sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I it's been you know it's been crazy I mean I've uh, it's definitely been a challenge on my mental health at times but I think you know in many ways having some space has been a bit of a blessing because I've been able to to achieve this thing you know so I'm great. I'm grateful in some ways that I've had some downtime, but obviously it's been a, a heartbreaking time as well. What about you? How's it been for you? Um, well, that's weird. I've, I've asked this question about 300 times. No one's ever asked me back. Um, yeah. A bit bloody rude, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, it's been all right. Um, I, 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 um, I run a, 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 a venue in Essex, and so that's been shut for. The majority of it, and, and still is mm. shut um, at the moment. We're sitting tight and just seeing how the other venues reopen, how that works, and we're just going to kind of sit tight for a little bit longer. But yeah, you know, uh, it's allowed me some more time at home. Um, I'm lucky that I've got a little studio at home that I can kind of lock myself away in. And what's been the the big thing for me is is podcasting, I guess, because 
usually I would head into town and, and, and go and meet in the studio and record these things. Mm. And, and then there was this thing called Zoom that everyone was telling me to get involved yeah. with. And, and it's, it's been, it's been amazing. You know, obviously mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's, I prefer to be in a room with people because there is a more of a kind of vibe and connection. I think in you, if you're in a room with someone, um, but adapted quite quickly to Zoom, and and I think it's enabled me to not just look at who might be in London at this point. It's like, oh, okay, mm. I can speak to Motley Crue, I can speak to Foo Fighters because yeah. it just means I get an hour with them on Zoom. But you know, the, the yeah. conversation's still the same. So yeah, that's been that's been really nice, and thank you for asking. Um, well, look, we're going to obviously talk about the film. Um, throughout the uh, the episode today but i want to kick things off and ask you to tell me please a song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro um it's actually uh, and this is genuinely the the song i think has the best intro ever uh but it's also one from the soundtrack of of my film and it's the first song you hear when you watch it which is a, a kind of a coincidence um but it's the rats by the walkman from bows and arrows the album and it's just got this sort of relentlessly exciting uh, guitar intro and then um hamilton uh, the singer just comes in with this sort of violently aggressive and angry uh vocal but weirdly even though it's quite an it's quite a relentless and aggressive song it just fills me with complete joy (laughs) because it's just so it's so exciting and venomous and everything that I love about um rock like indie rock music and guitar music it's just like hands in the air let's all jump up and down let's get some some aggression out and some emotion out um, so that's why I used it in the intro of the film because there's an, in, you know, we see the two lead characters like running and that film always, that song always reminds me of running <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah. And it's that, and I've seen them live a couple of times back in the day and they were, that song was always just such an exciting, uh, tune, uh, to hear live as well. So that's, that's my fave. It's so <laughs> good. It's so good. I, I am. Are you a fan? Massively. Yeah. Um, and my band back in the day, like in the, the, the sort of late nineties, we, we done a few shows with Hamilton when he was fronting Jonathan Fireyer. Uh, and, oh, cool. and I'd never heard any, your band? uh, we, we was called Lilo and, and, oh, cool. and we, uh, and we kind of, like, I, I didn't see anything more of Jonathan Fireyer. I presume they'd split up and, and, and that was it. And I remember just putting on MTV one day and just seeing him and going, Oh fuck, that's, that's Hamilton. That's him. And then yeah. I wasn't even watching him. I was just watching, it was a video for the rat and I was just watching the drummer, just thinking, holy shit, are his arms going to fall off? And like, his arms going to bloody fall off. I know. It's <laughs> just, and, and as an indie DJ, when songs mm. like that come across or come out, it's like, right, well, that's yeah. not going to be leaving the record box for the next 10 years because it's, and it yeah. hasn't, and it still has exactly the same reaction when Agreed. you drop it now. It's got such a sense of urgency about it and it's just yeah. wonderful. But I don't know what your thoughts are. You mentioned bows and arrows. I hurried out and bought that record and I was really disappointed because there's <laughs> nothing else on that record that sounds like the rat. <laughs> It's more yeah, Dylan-esque, I think, the rest of the, the, the record. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that Hamilton's a really great songwriter and he's, he's writing a lot of very different stuff these days. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's... I, I'm reluctant to, to say I dislike the rest of the album, but 
that song is very hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do think it's one of the, I mean, personally, I think it's one of the best songs ever. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's not everybody has been so lucky to have a kind of plethora yep. of those tunes in one album. I mean, it's it's a rarity. Um, I think whenever I saw them live, I still enjoyed their other tunes. Um, but I think I do agree with you that that album, that song is, is kind of like a, it's a diamond, isn't it? <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They but set the, I think the bar pretty high there, didn't way. they? Yeah, and I think a lot, quite a few people felt the way you did. Um, but, you know, I think I'm reluctant to um, to say I dislike the rest of the album because I, I do think I enjoyed it, but I would be lying if I said I didn't skip to that track yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah, I feel you. Track two, I'm going to take you back now um, and ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Well, I think this is a uh, this was a t- tricky one for me, actually, because um, I, God, I couldn't, I, you know, there are so many, aren't there? As a music lover, you can probably appreciate. Um, but I think I grew up, my mum and my brother, uh, my biggest brother, who actually did the incidental mu- music in my film, Tom Marsh, uh, they loved The Cure. And my mum was also friends with Boris, the drummer from The Cure. Wow. Which, yeah, which was quite, I mean, a funny story that I won't, you know, it's, I, I wasn't there for, but was my, my brother's a drummer. Uh, he plays drums for Lana Del Rey now, but back then he was a teenager sort of playing drums and he was obsessed with The Cure. And he just came down one night into my mum's kitchen and she was just sitting with Boris. <laughs> And she, because he lived near us in the West Country, and obviously she was quite a cool mum, and she obviously just made friends with him out and about. And Tom was just like, "I love you," <laughs> and I love that story. But obviously, I was really little then, so it took me a minute to, um, you know, I was sort of soaking in all this incredible music in my house. Yeah. But you know, uh, it, I think that song has always stayed with me because. A, it reminds me of those guys, my my mum and my brother, who mean a lot to me. But also, I just think it's such a it's it, what's so sweet about the Cure, and especially that song, is that they're a weird, you know, indie rock band. But that's you know, Robert Smith just writes the most beautiful, loving, gorgeous lyrics. And I think if if you've ever been in love, the lyrics to that song just just you know they really tap into you. Um, and have yeah, you announced just, what I, song it is yet? Have I not? I don't just think like so. heaven by the just like heaven by the cure. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, yeah, so so the cure, just like heaven. Um, I mean, I could have chosen a love song and or a bunch of other songs, but I think that that's my favourite. And it had that really dreamy, gorgeous um, video where there's lots of kind of like ghostly, beautiful women. But um, that reminds me of being in my kitchen um, and probably being about seven, but. For, it was like one of those first moments where I was like, oh, music, like there isn't shit pop music, yeah. you know, and, and and understanding that that was a real band and, yeah. and wanting to know more about it. And yeah, and I think I was quite little. I must have been about seven. It's such a great record, isn't it? And like, yeah. and it's, and I mean, you know, I, I won't say it's, it, it's shit pop, it's far from that, but it's got real pop sensibilities though, just like heaven, hasn't it? Like that synth play overs, it's like, and the guitar lines, they're really mm. poppy. And like, I think mm. Robert Smith knows his way around a, a hook. Um, mm. I actually um, went to see the Gorillas last night, do an NHS gig at the O2. Oh, and, a couple of my uh, pals went. Was it fun? Fuck, it was so <laughs> good. Just being around yeah. thousands of people, just having yeah. a good time was so lovely. Oh, um, mate. 
Second track, just double casual. Don't even introduce him. Out walks Robert Smith. And it was Shut like... Up. Robert Smith's on stage. Um, yeah, and he just... He was brilliant. He didn't have a guitar, so he was just standing there with a microphone just doing his kind of little Robert Smith dancing. It was amazing. What, what did he do? What, what, so, what song was he doing? I think it's one of the new album. I don't know what it is because ah. I'm not up to speed on the Gorillas, but my friends and nurse were like, do you want to come? And I was like, 100%. And yeah. oh, it was, they bought out everyone, Sean Ryder, Rowetta, Slaves, Slow Tire, oh, Peter mate. Hook. It was like, Guest after guest after guest. So it was, yeah, De La Soul. It was so good. So you know good. what? He really knows how to get them together, doesn't he, Damon? Our yeah. mate Damon. Oh. Like, his his like address book and phone number like list must be, oh, my God, imagine getting your hands on that. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so you mentioned uh, having a cool mum and, and a brother that was, you know, uh, a, a drummer. So growing up, I presume it was a musical household. Very much so. Um, my dad uh, was in a band in the seventies, and he was also in a band when he was before that uh, called Gringo, who were like a cool kind of psychedelic, uh, a bit like Cream, but with a bit of psychedelia. And they supported Cream, and I think they supported Hendrix at one point. I might be wrong, wow. but that, that that yeah, they weren't particularly successful in in the sort of commercial sense at all but they were a gigging band you know in the late 60s I think it was um and then after that he was in a band that were like a kind of he was the the keyboard player in a band called Sailor he wasn't the songwriter they, they, they had, had commercial couple. success they did yeah they were at number two when like Bohemian Rhapsody was at number one so you know they were they were around they were quite silly and uh you know so dad dad had you know some success in the pop world uh even though it wasn't technically his band so you know it wasn't necessarily financially um a big thing for him but he did have an incredible like tour you know he would tour a lot and uh he he's a very talented musician um he's also written lots of music for bits and pieces for like plays and stuff like that so there was always music going on from his kind of in his world um and my oldest brother, I've already already mentioned, is a drummer, but he was a he was probably the person that had the biggest influence on me in terms of and if everything to do with music and film. So he introduced me to all my favorite bands um, and sort of gave me sort of lovely lessons on everything from The Cure and The Smiths and showing me David Lynch films and stuff like that. And then my other brother was a, uh, he's hes also an incredible soul singer and he used to do kind of sing at people's weddings and, and things like that. He's now a security guard, but he's um, very happy with his with his kid and, and living quite a much more sort of modest life. But yeah, uh, he, yeah so there was, everyone was kind of musical and that's why I initially started off my creative journey. That sounds so wanky, uh, but <laughs> playing music and I played started playing guitar when I was 11 as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely all music to start with. Okay, well let's let's stay in them years then, because for track three, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Well, I was a bit naughty, wasn't I? I gave you a couple. That's all right. Um, you can have some honourable mentions. <laughs> um, okay, so it's a tricky one because my I think I'll say the two two that, that were a remind me of being in school, but also remind me of my first festival experiences. Okay, so. So no doubt, we're obviously in the 90s, like every little girl wants to be like Gwen Stefani. So my choice 
my no doubt choice is just a girl yeah and I remember just thinking she was the coolest thing ever and we all used to put those little bindies on our foreheads and and uh you know I remember just thinking oh this is so cool it's a like female fronted fun you know like punky band and feeling so excited by that because there wasn't that many female fronted bands it was skunk and antsy and and garbage and stuff like that but I just thought Gwen Stefani was so cool uh and and feminine as well yeah. like so it was quite exciting you know to see her and I saw her at Glastonbury uh and my mum was watching the tv and saw me on someone's shoulders when they were playing that song <laughs> how cool was that <laughs> really cool and actually when my brother saw Blur about whatever like 10 years previous she'd seen him on someone's shoulders when they were playing girls and boys so you know, like those little moments just remind me of being in school, but also remind me of those sort of euphoric moments where you didn't drink, but you went to festivals yeah. and you would just enjoy stuff. Uh, and then the other one is Nancy Boy by Placebo, um, which I remember just adoring. I used to write Placebo on my school books and like on my bags and stuff. And I remember just that was one of the first songs that I thought was a little bit dangerous because obviously the, the lyrics are super sexy and mm. super dodgy like and I was like what is this woman man modern monkey like all these lyrics and I remember sort of feeling quite turned on by it and not quite knowing why <laughs> um so yeah those two I would say I know it's naughty I think I'll go for just a girl as my main one okay. and then Nancy Boy is the uh the b-side <laughs> and, and I think like when um Brian Molko first sort of popped up he was mm. he was a really fascinating, interesting frontman because I think he was quite unique at what he'd done at that time. And I think that band didn't really sound like a lot of other stuff that was happening at that time as well. I think it was just, I think that that maybe the first sort of three albums by Placebo, I think are wonderful. So that, that debut record is amazing. And, uh, mm. and, and I remember hearing like Nancy Boy and, and seeing it on like Jules Holland and just thinking, this is wonderful and yeah totally and he, he looks so cool as well and yeah and it's really weird because my mate jay was uh from from where i live was it was in a, a band as well and uh and he went oh mate I'm, I'm i'm in a music video i said really and he went yeah yeah for this band and i completely didn't think about it until i saw mm. the video a little while out. he's in the nancy boy video he's the head that's in this like tank thing no way he's the around. head guy <laughs> yeah that's my mate jay <laughs> <laughs> what a claim to fame! I know exactly the head. I know exactly the head guy. Mean. Yeah, yeah. What, what a brilliant thing to be able to say. <laughs> I'm that head guy. <laughs> I'm the head guy. I'm the Nancy boy head guy. That's cool, man. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, so, but yeah, I think very cool, very cool tune. And, and he was so sexy and like, you know, and I think when you're a teenager and you're sort of, sort of coming to terms with who you are and, and like he was just so exciting. And I, I remember seeing them the same year as I saw No Doubt. I just, I went to Glastonbury that one day that No Doubt played. And then I went to Reading Festival the, this one day that Placebo played. And um, being like, oh my God, this is this is where I belong in a mosh pit. You know, that was where I belong. Yeah. <laughs> and going back to school and just feeling like that you change, you know, that nothing's the same. Do you think that's because you sort of, you found your tribe at that point? Well, I didn't really. I think I was quite, I was always felt quite uh, like a bit of an outsider at school because I was from a little um, West Country town and I didn't, I always felt a little bit itchy, like I needed to go somewhere else. Um, I didn't feel particularly pressured to stay in school either. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think I remember what happened was I, I went to New Year's, I went to, um, I shouldn't have been allowed to go really, but I went to London to, to uh, the, is it called the Tunnel in Tufnell Park mm-hmm. to, uh, on New Year's Eve to an indie club night. Uh, and uh, with a friend um, I don't know why we were allowed to do that we were only 15 <laughs> um, and I remember meeting a couple of girls in this club and they were so cool there was this like awesome girl with like black dreadlocks and like she was she reminded me of Skunk Nancy like skin because she was in a band and she was doing like she's saying that, that all her favorite tunes like she could play on the guitar and I remember thinking she's the coolest thing ever and she had a really cool mate and I remember thinking, I want to be friends with these guys. They're like awesome. And they were the ones that were like, come to come to these festivals. So then I just, I wanted to move to London, <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, they were, I did feel like my tribe was elsewhere. I felt like I needed to get out of my little hometown. Um, I didn't really feel like I found uh, the right, you know, I had, I had friends back home, but I didn't feel like I had 100% like, I didn't really have anything in common with them. It wasn't until I moved to London that I met like-minded weirdos, uh, sort of lost, lost weirdos like myself that I felt like I fitted in, really. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, and you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute, 
Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? I still don't know what I want to be, mate. Um, well, you know, I think, I think I just wanted to create stuff. Um, I was always like, I've always been quite relentless, relentless in my kind of creating and making things. Um, I remember the only, apart from my brother and my mum and, and my dad and, and like the people in my immediate family that were inspiring in terms of creativity, there was an art teacher in my school called Mr. LG um, and he was just a very cool dude and he really inspired me. And I remember just feeling like, you know, in his classes, I felt really safe because I could make stuff and, and create stuff. And he didn't treat me like a child and would chat to me about um, art and not just about, you know, what he was teaching, but he would teach us a lot about the history of certain things. And I was really just thought he was amazing. So I, th- I always carry a little bit of him around with me, I think. Um, so, no, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. Uh, but I did, you know, for many years want to be a, a rock star. Um, that was definitely what I wanted to be. Um, and that only started to fizzle away when I started acting. And I realized that that's really what I wanted to do. And being on a film set was where I felt really, yeah. really at home. Yeah. Were you confident? I pretended to be. Yeah, I pretended to be really confident. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if that many people really are, are they? Um, you know, if you, I think I still sort of do that. I think I still pretend to be confident. Um, and it's like a kind of armour, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I pretended to be confident. And I, I, I think it was just sort of a defense not a defense mechanism but it's a way of protecting yourself you know I went to quite a rough school so you had to kind of if you acted weak you'd find yourself pinned up against a wall somewhere (laughs) so yeah I wasn't I wouldn't say I was tough um but I was just sort of yeah I was kind of confident I guess but I don't think it was real what about you uh no no, um, it, it, literally everything you're saying is kind of quite a, it's like you're holding a bit of a mirror up. Like I wanted to be a rock star and I didn't know what else yeah. I wanted to be. And uh, yeah. yeah, and still don't really know. Still just trying to create stuff and have some fun. And yeah, and fake it till you make it. Like. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to work that out, mate, honestly. I'm trying to be as honest as possible. I yeah, I think if anyone, anyone that was in school with me, you know, I think my my close close friends in school would have would have seen me for what I really was and and loved me for that. But I think I probably seemed confident, but in reality, I wasn't really. I was quite anxious, and you know, I was good at pretending. I think faking, like you said. Mm. <laughs> did you like attention? Uh, did I like attention? Um, it depends what kind of attention. I think. I think uh, the wrong kind of attention was uncomfortable. I think, you know, as a young girl, you know, if you get attention from the wrong places, it can be quite uncomfortable. Um, but I certainly liked people watching me perform or entertain them. You know, I, I another thing that I, I really appreciate about my brother and my mum and my dad and my other brother is that they're all funny motherfuckers. So I used to crack jokes a lot and, you know, the the noise, you know, the sound of people laughing at your jokes, you know, you really get off on that. So, yeah, I liked attention, I guess. Okay. But it's addictive, isn't it? It's dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, 
for track four, I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record shop, please. Um, it was uh, God. I think it was off OK Computer. Um, it was uh, it was Paranoid Android. That was the first record I bought. Um, I wouldn't say that was the first single I bought, but the actual record itself. I had a, a record player that was in a suitcase. Uh, and I remember wanting to hear that song really badly on a record player. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the most obvious albums to say it's one of your favourite albums. <laughs> I know that, but... But there's uh, a reason that for that, right? It's because it's really right. fucking great. <laughs> fucking flawless is what it is. Um, and totally unique. And it deserves all the praise. Mm. Um, they're probably, probably maybe my favourite band. Uh, again, probably lots of people's. Definitely lots of people's. But I've, I went as far as getting a Radiohead tattoo when I was drunk. That's how bad I, I am. Wow. Which, that's from Pat Pyramid's song, and it says nothing to fear and nothing to doubt, which is quite funny because it's kind of like a confident thing to have on your wrist for an anxious person. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, Radiohead are amazing. But that was definitely the first record I bought, for sure. Wonderful. Um, well, let, let's let's talk about the film, and, and, and to kind of sort of lead into that, ask if you was confident, uh, and, you know... You, you know, you'd said you'd you'd, you'd you'd fake it to a degree. Um, you've chosen an industry to work within that is famously competitive and difficult and tough, mm. and yet you've made a film. Mm. So confidence aside, tell me about Drive. Um, well, I don't think I've ever suffered from not like without having I've always had drive um a lot. I think yeah but I've also had like mega loads of knockbacks and I've been you know uh you know I moved to London when I was 17 and I was very persuasive to my parents I don't want to make out like they allowed like they just sort of let me willingly to bugger off to London but I didn't you know didn't continue with my education I said I want to move to London I want to start a band and that's what I want to do and I was so persuasive uh, and then, you know, I started a band and we had like maybe a couple of all right tunes, but we supported a couple of big bands and did a little bit of touring around Europe. Um, what was and, your band you know, called? Want- Screaming Ballerinas. Okay. We supported like, I think, well, we, we went on tour with the Rakes when they were um, sort of at their peak. And we also had like a cute following of like indie club kids in um in Italy. So we did a tour of Italy and there was lots of people that knew all the words to the songs. And that was probably the best memories I had, Wonderful. but we suffered a lot of knockbacks from the industry, the music industry, lots of people telling us that no one signed female fronted rock music. Uh, and you know, it was, it was, it was tough for a young man because I was, I was only like 18, 19 and it was my band. I wrote all the tunes. So, you know, having, having those knockbacks and also meeting lots of, I'm sure, you know, well but in the music industry you get a lot of um tricky customers as well and lots of misogyny and lots of people you know knocking you back um, I, think, I think they're called so I, I think they're called wankers they are called wankers they're Sorry. also called pricks yep. um, yeah um stacks of them as well stacks of them yeah <laughs> and um you know we can all be a prick from time to time but there are some fucking weapons in the music industry <laughs> 
Um, and uh, and I and I think I had this sort of I've only been in school, you know. So going straight into the music industry and trying to persuade everyone to let you be the new Gwen Stefani, which I probably wasn't. But at the same time, we were all right, and like we had a couple of managers that tried really hard to get us a uh, like a major label deal. And all we really should have done is release a couple of like tunes on little labels, but we weren't really given that opportunity. So I, I, I kind of crashed and burned and called it a day because I couldn't handle it. So I think going through all of that, everything's a little bit easier than you'd expect. I think, you know, learning to not take everything to heart and to, you know, just uh, if you've got an idea and you really believe in it, just put the work in, like, don't... Um, I think if you really believe in something, and it's not, that sounds mega cheesy, but like with with this film, um, I felt very like focused, which is rare. I haven't felt like that for a long time about something. Um, and I just sort of saw it through. It was like step by step with the, with the like support of quite a few people that made the film possible. Um, you know, I managed to, who believed in it and loved loved the script and loved the idea and loved the soundtrack, loved everything about it, helped me sort of pull it off. So the drive is there. <laughs> um, the creativity is there. The confidence, you know, comes and goes. And sometimes it's fake, like we said. Um, but I think with the support of other people, like good eggs, um, you can achieve that shit that you want to achieve. And I think I've done that with this. Um, every day is really tough. Like I didn't realise how much work you had to put into releasing a feature film. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but it is possible. Anyone out there that wants to create something and make it happen, you just got to keep your eye on the prize and make sure you have the right people around you to support you. Absolutely. Good, mm. good Eggs is a great name for a band. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a good, good egg name? Yeah, it is. Um, so tell us about the film. What can people expect from it? And what, what's it called? It's called Giddy Stratospheres. Um, Giddy Stratospheres. And the name, uh, the title is a Long Blonde song. Um, the Long Blondes were a brilliant band for anyone that doesn't uh, remember them. In the noughties uh, indie music scene, they were a real kind of like uh, awesome um kind of name at the time amazing live band female fronted uh by kate jackson and the uh songwriter dorian cox uh who i had to kind of uh when i realized that that's the song that i wanted as the title i based i had to contact them and get the um their kind of go ahead and they've they've been really supportive from the word go um but to cut a long story short the film is set in the in 2007 in the noughties indie music scene in london which i was very much a part of um and the storyline follows uh two best friends and their journey to uh the female leads uh grandmother's funeral and they're basically she's getting flashbacks from the night before and they're trying to, she's trying to piece together what went wrong and what happened. And her friend is trying to persuade uh, her to remember and try to trigger her memory off. Um, while we're seeing sort of flashbacks from this crazy night before where they went to this particular gig. Um, and I won't give the game away, but it's, um, you know, it's about friendship. It's about music bringing people together. It's about mourning. It's about, uh, it's very hedonistic. Um, there are a few elements to it that are true to to my story, 
um and it's got a bloody amazing soundtrack <laughs> um and yeah i think that, i think that kind of kind of gives you the gist um yeah that's it and am i right richard herring's in it yeah we've got some great actors in it we've got some great fresh talent um but we've also got some cool uh sort of comic heroes um richard herring plays uh the father character murray and Nick Helm plays the brother who is Tim. And they were kind of two of the first people I cast. Um, and again, like what you were saying about being able to get people for the podcast easily, because I was contacting people in lockdown, everyone was kind of sitting around. So I managed to get, you know, Richard Herring was on board from the word go. He loved the character in the yeah. script. And he's one of my comic heroes. So that was a real awesome thing. Um, yeah so and then there's lots of really cool fresh talent as well wonderful did you have you been on fan club yet nick's podcast i have i did it uh last week oh wonderful yeah like nick and nick and nate are great right yeah they're bloody great they're 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 just sweethearts but they're so funny and we we had a real geek out um talking about stuff but i mean i mean i get on really well with nick anyway um i'm actually going to see him uh do his work in progress stand up tomorrow But he was amazing because he's playing my brother in the film. And I don't know whether he was really aware of it, but he came, became quite brotherly. And obviously I was quite challenged with a lot of stuff making the film. But he was, he's got this kind of like, I think because he's been in the business for so long and he's used to creating his own stuff. And he's also used to, you know, being the lead and uncle and all that kind of stuff. He's just a bit long in the tooth. So he was just great at advice and great at support and really solid and it was like he became quite brotherly um so i've got to give him a big shout out for that because i appreciate it wonderful wonderful (laughs) um right what's next oh clubbing yes i've done a lot of that the song yeah. that soundtrack your years clubbing. So we, we did mention this on, on, on a WhatsApp um, natter when we were sorting out this recording. Um, mm. And so you, you got stuck into DJing as well, right? I did for years. And actually I was still sort of, I was still DJing before lockdown, um, but I was doing kind of like the odd gig here and there. But I, I learned to DJ because I had my own club night and me and my best mate, Eloise, who ran the night, we used to just sort of play records in between the bands just to make things a little easier but consequently I learned how to DJ. Um, and yeah, so again, like we were saying with the rat, um, my, the song that I think will always make me go absolutely fucking crazy on a dance floor is date with the night by the yeah, yeah, yeahs. Um, another female fronted band that really inspired me, but it's just pure, um, it's like pure vicious euphoria, that song. Uh, and the lyrics are really fun. And everyone does, you know, I remember back in the day when that first came out, every girl with a, with a fringe <laughs> on the dance floors of indie discos would do their best Carano impression. And like, you know, it was that, that I think I used to occasionally like climb up on the decks and like just jump about. And I definitely did actually. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, shot after shot after shot and slowly deteriorating. Um, it reminds me of all of that, but I uh, I still listen to that song when I need to be hyped up. <laughs> that I mean, the, the stuff that was coming from from the states around that time, you know, mm. when you were seeing, you know, um, yeah, 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 and obviously Strokes and Von Bondies and Interpol. It was there was so much great stuff. Just it felt like just they all just come straight out of New York and just mm. landed in London and it was just oh, it was such an exciting so time. Exciting. Interpol was nearly my um, best intro 
for um, slow hands. Oh. I know it's an obvious one again, and actually, it's not necessarily my favorite song of theirs, but that is like an amazing intro. That like just really exciting. But yeah, they were bloody. They're great band live as well. I was saying recently that I would love to see them live soon. Have you have you seen them before? Yeah, yeah, quite a few times. But I feel like I'm getting a bit kind of like. You know, like I'm, I'm remembering all those experiences. I'm like, oh my god, imagine watching Interpol. You know, I had I had such a, a great gig about maybe three years ago, like pre-lockdown. The Cure played Hyde Park, uh, and it was like literally all of my forty-something mates that grew up mm. in, in, my, in my club. Like we all yeah, got yeah. back together, and we went to watch the Cure just to reminisce. Supported <laughs> by Goldfrap, Interpol, oh, wow. Ride. And wow. slow dive, and it was like oh, cool. it was just pure nostalgia, and it was yeah, so lovely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And it's like, it's really weird. I spoke to so many different sort of musicians on this podcast and, and some of mm. them are quite odd about nostalgia. And be, because I'm a big fan of like, oh, the Pixies are over and they're playing Doolittle or yeah. Jane's Addiction are Same. over and they're playing Ritual. And it's like, I like going to watch a band from my formative mm. years play that mm. one record. Are you a fan of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Pixies are one of my favorite bands as well Mm. speaking of which but no no absolutely I mean like I I think it feeds me to see sort of bands that formed me for sure but I think I can appreciate that for some people they want to constantly be moving forward and changing especially if you're a musician and you're Mm. working as a musician you don't want to kind of look back too much perhaps is that what you found with yes exactly that and it's really weird I think there's a balance to be made there and like and I you know even you know, I guess the ultimate artist, if we're looking at like Bowie and things like that, then they're always going to be playing heroes and they're always mm. going to play Starman. And it's like, yeah. I don't I, think he's playing much anymore though, Bowie. No, 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 I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> but uh, but, um, yeah. but I, I, see, I went to see Madonna 
Uh, and yeah. I was so excited to see Madonna because I'm 48, so like she was everything for me, like growing up. Like Madonna, Prince, Jackson, all of that kind of era of the 80s was so exciting. And I was yeah, so I keen. And I just, inside, I just wanted her to come out and play the Immaculate Collection from start to finish, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew that was never going to happen. She played a new record from start to finish and played three songs that everyone else knew. And I was mm. just fuming. I was just fucking disappointed. Yeah. And like, and the weirdest thing was, like, I think she played Rallight. Um, oh, God, I don't even remember what the other ones were. Um, like a Prayer. Uh, mm. But then right at the end, mm. she walked off stage. And I thought, right, there's going to be an encore now. Hopefully we'll get, get into the groove or Like a Virgin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the opening called to Holiday started. And I was like, get Yay! in. Have Holiday. <laughs> yeah. And then the video uh, for Holiday come up on the big screens. Yeah. And then it just carried on and the lights come up and that was it. It was like, oh, she's not encore with it. She's just putting the fucking video on. Oh, my God. It's almost like a bit of a piss take. Like, she's winding you up. It was so weird. It was like, your encores, you just having a cup of tea at the back and doing some yoga whilst we all stand there and watch the video. It was a bit of a weird cop-out, man. Yeah, it was was a massive cop-out. So, tell me about clubbing and... What did you want from a nightclub in? Uh, well, I just wanted to... Well, I think in those days when I was going out all the time... Whereabouts? Um, well, let's see. I mean, I was quite lucky that I was usually DJing, to be honest, on this particular scene. Um, but we used to go regularly to... Like, my friends all part that were all part of this same kind of music scene, all the bands and all the DJs and stuff, they're all little indie kids. We all used to go to Frog which was at the Mean Fiddler. And that was run by a couple of, well, a few of my friends that lived in Nambuka, which was on Holloway Road. So every Saturday we'd go to Frog, which was would Frank be Turner like... Was Frank involved in that? Oh, no. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Frank, so Beans Frank on Toast? A, yeah, so Jay, who is now, well, mostly known as Beans on Toast, he lived above Nambuka That's as right. well. I lived around the corner. I was only like 18. And we all used to, lots of bands played there. And actually the Long Blondes played an amazing gig at Nambuka, but lots of bands started out there. Like you, you could literally name so many big names that, that used to do gigs when they first started out there. Um, but Frog was like a really big euphoric indie club night. It was huge. And you'd have like somebody as big as the Walkman or the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs uh, headline. And then you'd have this room upstairs called the Art Rocker Room, which was the magazine, the magazine Art Rocker. Yeah. So you'd have lots of kind of quite spiky, punky, cool new stuff in there. And then you'd have the big indie bangers in the main room. And it was huge. And I remember how big the mean fiddler was. And that just felt like being in church, you know. But we used to go to, so I would, we, we were at this point, me and Eloise, my friend who ran our night, we used to DJ everywhere around Hoxton, Shoreditch. We used to DJ in Catch, uh, the Hoxton Bar and Kitchen, uh, the electricity showrooms. And then we'd go to places like, trash white heat um let's think uh then there would be lots of you know there would always be stuff what what i've been sort of saying a lot recently is like i can't believe there was always somewhere to go every night of the week so you know i was turning up i worked in a little clothes shop at that time i just turn up and puke all day (laughs) at work uh sometimes not having slept at all and then go out again straight away (laughs) um so i think i just wanted to get completely wasted and go mental and listen to all these songs and play or play them. Um, you know, it was, it was a kind of combination of pure joy and then 
killing yourself by accident constantly you know waking up and being quite happy that you were still alive and not quite knowing how (laughs) (laughs) you know I look back and I don't know how I I got through it to be honest Mm. but yeah I just wanted to go mad if I'm honest mate wonderful (laughs) wonderful (laughs) right let's take you home um track six favorite song from an artist from your home county please well so yeah, I, I, I was born in a little village, well, a little town called Traybridge, which has absolutely nothing going for it. Um, so I've chosen where I went to, where I started doing my A-levels before I buggered off, which is in Bristol. Uh, and the band is Massive Attack and the song is off Mezzanine and it's Teardrop. Um, and I was just listening to it just now just to kind of remind myself of how much I love it. But uh, it's just like a heart beating isn't it it's just absolutely beautiful um and another band that I remember when I saw them live at Glastonbury sort of I guess it must have been 2006 or something and just being on my own I'd lost all my friends and uh and seeing them live and it was just like oh it was just incredible it was just absolutely amazing they're such an amazing act um and there were quite a few cool bands to come out of Bristol but I think they were my favorite and that's one of my favourite songs of all time. And yeah. a great video as well. That's an amazing video. Re- yeah. It re- really is. And, and that's Liz Fraser sings that, isn't it? Yeah. And, I mean, there's a vocalist right there. Mm. Oh, stunning. Absolutely stunning. Yeah, beautiful. Um, last track. Um, this is when you get to, uh, to put your DJ head on again there and, uh, and be a tastemaker. Mm. A song that many may not know that you would mm. like them to hear, please? Well, it's not a banger. It's not but a, there's a it, It's not a banger at all. And I could have chosen a banger. Um, but I've chosen a song that I really don't think many people will know. And it's off an album that maybe like serious sort of shoegazy indie kids would be into. But um, the artist is called Stina Nordenstam. Um, and she's from Sweden. And another act that my mum and my brother like absolutely loved. And she's this little Swedish pixie. Uh, and she's famous really for, um, oh God, what was the song called? Uh, oh, Little Star. And it goes, Little Star. And they used it in Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann version. And it's a go- the gorgeous moment where we see Claire Danes with her, with her um, angel wings. And it's just a really pretty, gorgeous song. Uh, very delicate but the album that that comes off of is like very strange and it's got some really cool dark beats and the song that I've chosen is called Crime and it's what the the album is called When Debbie Comes Back from Texas and the song is called Crime and it's got this rainfall you hear in the background and the song is about somebody being murdered (laughs) sounds really awful but actually it's really beautiful and like really makes you feel like you know, you close your eyes and you listen to that and it, you're in a completely different dimension in this weird world where something awful's happened, but you kind of feel like you're in a weird little, um, like, womb-like cocoon when you listen to it. Um, yeah, so that's my choice because I think it's unusual, but it always makes me feel soothed somehow. Wonderful. Well, Laura, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go ah. and listen to all of the tracks that you've um, chosen today. Um, and so as we find ourselves, uh, as I mentioned a while back, kind of getting back into socialising and being normal and, and, and getting mm. back out there, what are you looking forward to most from the rest of 2021 
and what's going to be happening professionally? Um, so the next thing to happen professionally of, of sort of the, the main thing is that I'm about to release the films already released in the UK, but we're about to release it in the US. And then, you know, at the same time, we're releasing it worldwide as well. So it's just ongoing giddy mania for me. Um, but I'm also pitching three new ideas for three new uh projects so there's a film and there's two tv series that i'm trying to get off the ground um i've been making a bunch of music videos that i absolutely love making music videos as you can tell i'm a bit of a music geek so that's always a real treat um and i don't know like i went to a gig on saturday i went to see sleaford mods and they were being supported by baxter jewelry and the and fat white family and it was like that's a lineup just, bloody amazing i mean it was just an incredible crystal palace bowl which is it's kind of a nice vent place to see that stuff because it's it wasn't didn't feel too mad busy and uh we managed to get me and my boyfriend managed to get to the front you know and watch and watch sleaford mods and um yeah so it's like seeing more live music again i've realized really does feed me and being able to make more stuff and do my film justice, get it out there and make sure everyone sees it. Excellent. And if people do want to see it, where's the best place to go and find out where they can see it? If you're in the UK, you can watch it now on Sky uh, or Amazon Prime or uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play and Microsoft TV, which I didn't even know existed, but you can watch it there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, pretty much all the streaming platforms at the moment in the UK. And then uh, we'll be making more announcements on where they, people around the world can stream it as it would. It'll be released uh, in the US on the 14th of September and we'll, we'll be letting people know soon where they can catch it. How exciting is that? <laughs> It's, yeah, it's exciting. It's very overwhelming. Um, I'm not going to lie, but, you know, I can't, I'm mega excited. You made a feature film. It's incredible. (laughs) Like, absolutely amazing. Um, Oh, thanks, Stu. Yeah, I'm still pinching myself, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I couldn't, I really couldn't have done it on my own. I have a great team behind me, so. (laughs) Laura, it's been an absolute delight talking records with you. Thank you so much for your time. You too, Stu. And I hope I see you at a gig or something soon. Bound to happen, mate. Bound to happen. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. There you go. Love an indie natter. Oh, love a bloody indie natter. Um, When that episode finished, that was it. We were still banging on about Sleaford Mods and Billy No Mates and, yeah, great indie records. Um, Yeah, it's me bread and butter. I'm an indie boy. I can't help it, you know? And so, yeah, when you get someone that you know, spent ages DJing around all the indie clubs in, in, in London, then I knew that this was going to be a good chat and it did not disappoint. Um, hope you all enjoyed it. As mentioned at the beginning, um, go and have a rummage in the archives. And, and yeah, like I say, if you like your, your indie scene, then uh, I've chatted to hundreds of, you know, your favourite indie bands. So go and get stuck in over there. Um, and, yeah, but, you know, all the usual places where you get your podcasts or your one-stop shop, www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Be excellent to each other. Stay safe. Love you lots. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me Stu Whipping. Eat a book.